episode 76 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host and this week, debate opponent in Dalton Willie. We've got a big show in front of us. And of course, as always, producer extraordinaire Johnny Fan is with us tonight. Johnny, how are you doing um, uh, on this fine night? Doing good. I'm excited for this uh, little debate match because I know uh, Dalton has some debate history in his uh, in his That's past. True. So we'll, we'll we'll see how this goes and to let's see who comes out on top. Well, the difference between this debate and the debate I did in high school was that we had an impartial judge, and I feel like today's judge might be a little partial. Already, late. wow, right that on. is hearsay. That is very much hearsay. That is not hearsay, but I will gladly give you that one, Johnny, if it means you, let, you slide me one a little later. <laughs> okay, now we're just all kinds of foul play going on before we even get started here. So, in case anyone who is listening to this has not seen, Dalton Eyes Ranks are live on the newsletter, halfpointpropod.substack.com. If you want to pull those up along with the show to check it out, I will have Johnny put these in the show notes of the podcast as well. So you have the whole ranks to look at if you so choose. And you know what? Dalton and I have quite a few disagreements, I will say, amongst running backs and receivers specifically. So that's where the debate is staying today. And we're going to have a a different kind of format today for the show. We're going to go through. Johnny is going to be our judge, basically. If anyone listens to the Fantasy Footballers, it's kind of like a poor man's Judge Giamani without all of the production they put into that. And basically, Dalton and I each have two minutes on a real clock that I'm going to put up later in the show. And then Johnny declares a winner after maybe a little bit of back and forth from Dalton after each of our two-minute time periods. But first, a couple of of short things to get to, some news. Dalton and I are each going to run through a couple guys we've changed our minds on. Dalton, right? You've got a couple of guys ready for that. Yep. And then uh, some player props to keep going through player props to make sure we have a good library of bets before the season and where we've got to start unfortunately thankfully we can be quick on this because now we've got another wrench in the Deshaun Watson news so it came out I believe yesterday being Tuesday or the day before I can't keep track at this point that he's getting a six-game suspension handed down by whatever the judge's name is that is appointed by the NFL now today on Wednesday we are getting word that's being appealed the NFL is seeking a full season. I've got to say, you've got to be a pretty uh, pretty incompetent to make Roger Goodell look like the good guy in this scenario, but that's kind of what's happening. I think we still just have to rank the Browns as though we've been ranking them, Dalton, which is not even considering Deshaun Watson until we know otherwise. And I, I would guess he will play this year. I don't think he's going to get that full year. But there's really no point in speculating right now. And so every Cleveland player is just a speculative rank at this point that is subject to change. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of just like turning into a clown case at this point because the NFL is appealing. But at the same time, Roger Goodell has the ultimate authority. It's not like he's an impartial judge in this. He can at any time decide to give Deshaun Watson any amount of I think the exact I think literally pro football talk said today the commissioner can do quote whatever he wants so yeah. it really ultimately will be up to Roger Goodell which is not breaking news no NFL well too. once Sue Robinson ruled that Deshaun Watson did do something wrong that gives the NFL like a full spectrum of accountability to mm-hmm. 
pursue any sort of action they want. Her her suggestion was six weeks. Uh, it sounds like the NFL wants closer to a year to an indefinite suspension. And I mean, with the optics they've dealt with lately, I could completely understand them throwing the book at Deshaun Watson. If if Deshaun Watson gets six games, I need my, my guy Calvin Ridley's suspension to be to be reduced or at least uh, re-examined further. And speaking of potential suspensions, Alvin Kamara, so his court hearing was supposed to be, I believe, like this week, has been delayed until I think late September, September 29th, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been delayed about two months. Really no news of note there other than we now know he's not going to be suspended early in the season. He could still be suspended late in the season. That's why you'll notice a rankings difference among Dalton and I. I have him still down at like RB16. Dalton is up around RB6 or 7. Full disclosure, if there was nothing like this hanging over Kamara, he'd be more like RB5 for me. I, It's obviously from a fantasy perspective, good news that it seems less likely he'll get suspended just because that runway is shorter now. If they were to get pushed back again, it's not going to happen this year. But also the bad news is, there could be a video drop of that incident at any time. And then Kamara does get suspended and it's potentially in more important fantasy football games, AKA near your fantasy playoffs. So that's why he is where, where he is. I thought that was worth mentioning on my end. Dalton, anything to add on Kamara before we move on here? Not a lot. Like you said, the real like dangerous scenario now is the video coming out, the NFL feeling obligated to take action. Nick Underhill on establish the run pretty much said he's pretty sure that any real issues with that are going to take place next year as far as suspensions come unless the video drops and for those who don't know nick underhill is probably like the most established reporter when it comes to the saints beat mm -hmm. uh, and he was pretty sure that you can safely take alvin kamara this year but he also assured everybody that michael thomas was a safe pickup and we all know how i feel with that one well it turns out uh, a lot of situations are fluid and can change very quickly, but I, I do trust that, that that his read is probably correct as of now. But as we said, things can change as far as if a video comes out down the road. More sad news, Tim Patrick out for the year with a torn ACL. I think the fantasy fallout is Jerry Judy up a couple spots in my rank. You can make the argument for Cortland Sutton, although I, I didn't move Sutton up because I already have him pretty high. I feel like, although not as high as you, and then maybe Alberto moves up a little bit. But more importantly, I think this is just sad for Tim Patrick. I think he was primed for a big season. And I think this makes Jerry Judy, just talking real football for a second, crucial for Denver. He went from, yeah, it'd be great if Judy had a good year. But if he's just fine, we have enough to, I think they need Judy to be pretty good this year. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say they have a deep wide receiver room. I, I don't know if it looks that way anymore. I mean, KJ Hamler has shown flashes of being a good deep threat, but outside of that, Seth Williams, uh, the guy they had play quarterback, Kendall Hinton. I mean, it's not really a deep wide receiver room anymore. Tim mm -hmm. Patrick really did solidify that starting three. Well, and KJ Hamler is back now, but he's coming back off not only a torn ACL, but he, I think, dislocated his hip on the same play he tore his ACL. So he yes. is coming back from a double injury, essentially. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he really hasn't shown to be like an actual NFL talent other than a few deep bombs. Um, so it looks like, at least I think, Jerry Judy's probably locked into a slot role at this point, which probably does help his fantasy value as well. 
but it also, I do think there's some sneaky, like Greg Dulcich upside at this point. The Broncos might have to run more two tight end sets. Uh, obviously, a lot of things in motion with it. Probably a slight bump to Albert O, but in general, just horrible. Uh, I famously said two weeks ago, Tim Patrick over Jerry Judy, and <laughs> that's no longer the case. Yes, we no longer have to have that debate, sadly. Uh, and then real quick, Irv Smith had thumb surgery. I'm assuming either a broken thumb or torn ligaments. I don't think we've actually seen the injury yet. Regardless, they're saying that they hope he's ready for week one. I noticed Dalton, it, this didn't change his rank really for either you or I. I'd have to double check my rankings. I, I, I think the guy that I have right next to him is, is Tunyon, who is also on the PUP. So I'm kind of in a wait and see mode with both of those guys. If we find out in three weeks that it's less likely Irv plays in week one than, than now, that could change things for me. But yeah, I have Irv at 12 still. I, I just think I, number one, if you have an IR spot, just draft him and move him on there and then pick up a tight end off waivers. They're all pretty similar around that spot anyway. And then number two, if you're drafting this early, just draft him hold him and if he doesn't play you can either drop him or another guy for a different tight end i just think the opportunity of still drafting irv outweighs the the risk of going with a guy straight off of waivers in week one if you have to that's my thoughts yeah and i agree i have an 11 you have him at 12 so we're about in line with that i mean but after that it just gets so disgusting I, i'd rather draft like an athletic freak with high upside in a new passing offense mm-hmm. he doesn't play week one I mean, you either drop them, like you said, or you just go pick up one of the guys you would have drafted anyways who are going to be on waivers. Yep. Uh, there's no harm, no foul, in my opinion. And you're probably going to get him at a discount now with that injury news coming out. And I'm not I'm not concerned about it at all. Yep. Agreed with you there. Um, on the player props now, but real quick, before we get on the player props, I did want to pump up the YouTube channel a little bit. Johnny's been putting together some nice little shorts from the podcast, so we appreciate that. Those are on the TikTok as well. If you are looking for a way to support the podcast, I would say YouTube and TikTok are the top two ways outside of just listening to the show. Every week, obviously, is is greatly appreciated. But those those two specifically, a follow on TikTok, liking videos, that's Half Point for Pod on TikTok, and then just search Half Point for Podcast on YouTube. Uh, a subscription, if you'd subscribe, that'd mean a lot. And that would mean that you would not miss any of our videos. And we appreciate any of you who are also just watching the videos as well. So just wanted to get that out there. But all right, guys, Lamar Jackson. This one jumped. I mean, all of these jumped out to uh, at a different way to me this week. Lamar, his over-under is 3,500 and a half passing yards for this season. You can actually even get it a little higher on DraftKings. I pulled all of these off of FanDuel this week. For reference, he's never reached 3,200 passing yards. I think for that reason, I'm taking the under. And I- I'm I'm all in on Lamar this year. I think he can have a great season. I think he can have even a career year or close to it passing the ball. But I think 3,500 is actually that, a tall task to ask a guy who's this established to all of a sudden throw for 300 more yards than, than they ever have. Maybe he does it. Maybe he would have done it last year if everything goes right. But it just feels like the more likely range of outcomes is closer to 3,000 yards and a lot of rushing. Yeah, and I agree with you. I'm taking the under here. Actually, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, that's a gimme. I'm going to go ahead and take the over. Mm-hmm. And then I, I went and looked at his history, and I was a little surprised by it. But it does make sense. Uh, and part of the reason, too, I mean, it's very clear the Ravens want to return to that run first offense they saw two years ago and not that pass heavy offense they had last year. This offense really consolidates around two guys 
in, in being Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. There's no one else they're really trying to get the ball to. And there's really no one else I could see having like over 500 yards on this offense as far as receiving go. So even if you're just trying to like Lego build you, where, how Lamar Jackson gets there, I just don't see the the weapons there to get him to 3,500 passing yards. I think this is going to be a lot of running and a lot of consolidated passing to his two big targets. The one thing that gives me pause is the health of the running backs. We, we just found out pretty recently that Gus Edwards is behind J.K. Dobbins in his rehab. That's not great to hear because Gus's injury was not as severe. He didn't have the other ligament stuff that, that Dobbins had. So that is the thing that could throw a monkey wrench into it. But I still feel pretty good about the under. Johnny, what do you think here? Uh, I'm going to go with the under, too. Like, I also looked it up. Kind of thought his MVP year in, like, 2019. He must have thrown for around 3,500. Not even not even near that. And it's at 32. It's like, uh, I think I might place a bet on this one for the it was under. Cra- it was crazy touchdown rate. That was what hit, made right. his passing season that year. Yeah, well, he's a really accurate red zone passer, like we've seen. Um, but I think this is a pretty easy under, and I, I'd feel pretty confident in betting this one. It would mm-hmm. be a pretty crazy season for the Ravens to not to make him throw for more than 3,500 with the way their team is set up. Agreed. Um, could be a big year from Devin Duvernay if that did actually happen. <laughs> uh, Christian McCaffrey, over under 925 and a half rushing yards. This is the highest listing. You can get this at even lower, like 900 yards on DraftKings. You can also buy 699 and a half receiving yards on BetGM, which I think that one's a layup. So that's why I left this one, that left that one off this week. I'm still going over on the rushing. I know he's been nowhere close the last two years, obviously, but this is purely a bet on health. His last two healthy seasons, he cleared a thousand yards. One of them, he was close to 1,100. So he beat it by like a, a buck 80. The other one, he was more like 1,300 and, and change. So he's beat this number soundly his last two healthy years. If he stays relatively healthy this year, I think this is a pretty good number to take the over on. Yeah, and th- that's what I wrote down here is, I mean, this is a health bet. It's do you think Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy? I do. Um, it's also a better O-line than he's played with for a while. The addition of Charles Cross is going to be really helpful. And then Baker Mayfield's probably the best quarterback he's gotten to play with in his career, which will help lighten those boxes and give him better and cleaner looks, hopefully. Um, this is an over for me as well. The Panthers are going to rely heavily on him. He's their best offensive weapon by a mile. And as far as their receiving game goes, he's still the second best player. So I like the 699 and a half for receiving yards. And I like the 925 and a half for rushing yards. Like I've said, he's, he's my overall number one choice every time I get the chance. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, these bets just solidify it. Mm-hmm. Johnny. Yeah. I'm just going to go with the over two. Just, I just want to be able to see Christian McCaffrey play a full season. So I'm just, Plays the full season, play a healthy year. I think he'll hit the over. As someone who has had him in two different leagues in the last two years, me too, my friend. Me too. All right, Debo Samuel, his over-under is 950 and a half receiving yards. Not even a 1,000 receiving yards on on the line for last year's wide receiver two, who probably would have been the wide receiver one. In a lot of years, it didn't feature uh, what Cooper Cup did last year, one of the best seasons that we'll ever see. Dalton, are you – on the over or the under with Debo here? Team hashtag embrace debate. Sounds like you're the over, but I am the under. Really? Um, yeah. So a couple of concerns about the 49ers. I think their pass rate probably stays the same or even dips a little lower. Last year, they were at a 51% pass rate, which was third lowest in the NFL. Um, 
a full season of Brandon Ayuk being featured in this offense, I think detracts from Debo a little bit. And I went and looked at it because I think Debo is going to also keep dropping my wide receiver rankings. Last year, he had 538 of his receiving yards were after the catch. That's just really yeah, but hard. That's just, to, what he, that's just what he does. I know, but it's incredibly hard to replicate. And, I mean, times like that, you do need some busted plays to go your way. Um, and then last is the Trey Lance factor. I think this offense changes how they play a little bit. Uh, and I think Trey Lance's tools might lend themselves to Ayuk a little more. Ayuk, if you haven't seen, has been like the darling of of camp. You and can see everybody the smile loves creeping him. across my face uh, as you talk about my my son, Brandon Ayuk. And so I do think uh, I'm going to take the under on this. I think that he he lets up a little bit this season, and we see a little more Ayuk and Kittle involved. Johnny, I'm go with the over. I I just. His yak is just even if like the busted plays aren't as good, that's a 500 yard difference from from last year. From last year, like I don't see it being that big of a drop off to not hit over 950. So I'm going with the over. Yeah, I I was thinking about this number, and I I guess it's just a bet on number one. Maybe the Niners become a more run heavy team, and that hurts Debo's passing total yardage. And then maybe Ayuk fits better with Lance individually. But I, I I think there's a pretty good chance that Lance is a better passer at, than, than Jimmy G was this last year. And, and I think they can break off some more big plays, but yeah, that could benefit Ayuk. But I, I think Debo will be available for plenty of big plays down the field as well. I, I'm taking the over kind of like you said, I, I think this is just, of steep discount off of what he did last year. And the only concern I have is health with, with Debo. Debo was very healthy last year. He hasn't been really any other. He, he was fairly healthy as rookie season after missing time initially, but he was really banged up the year before that. And he was banged up in college pretty frequently too. So health being the concern here, but I try not to factor that in too much into, into this conversation. I'm taking the over. All right. Antonio Gibson, which, spoiler alert, he's also a guy that I changed my opinion on. We'll get to that in a minute. So I'll be quick here. His over-under is 825.5 rushing, which I went back and looked at our because we bet him last year too. He was like 200 and some higher last year, and I think he hit it in his last game of the season. He was right on it. Either way, I'm taking the under. I am feeling pretty gross about this Antonio Gibson situation. And under 825 and a half receiving yards with a guy who isn't going to be the primary receiving threat out of the backfield, most likely not great. Johnny, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the under two. Don't like, don't, don't really love his situation. I mean, just not a fan of it. I just feel like the uh, Carson Wentz is a big quarterback that just likes to dump it down to receiving court. And I don't think they're going to go as uh run heavy this year. So I'm going to go with the under. And Gibson's already been banged up. Uh, so don't like that for a yeah. guy who has had health issues in his NFL career. Dalton? I mean, I really – I don't like him either. I have him four spots lower than you do at 31. Yeah, uh, I have at 27, and I thought I was taking a stand. Yeah. No, I'm taking the under on this. His rookie season, he got 170 rushes and had 795 for his yardage, and I feel like 170 rushes might be around his range of outcomes this year. And I, I think Brian Robinson – uh, is very much going to eat into a lot of his workload and really, uh, you know, just impact his overall ability to hit that. He would need injuries, I think, to get that, which is how he got to a thousand last year with yep. McKissick going down and then his four Barber games going down. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
DeAndre Swift, his over-under for rushing yards, 850 and a half. Dalton, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. Over-under for DeAndre Swift. I I am really talking myself into DeAndre Swift this year, um, and I'm taking the over on this. I think this is a health bet. I think if he plays a full season last year, like you could probably see him getting it. He's playing behind. Swift arguably, is a scary guy to make a health bet on. That's absolutely. But he's playing behind, you know, the best offensive line or the second best offensive line in football right now. He's playing in an offense that I expect to make some improvements going forward. And he's just so talented that even like a 14 game, 14 games with like, you know, a total of 190 touches, you could see him getting over this 850 mark. So I really think it's a good one. I was surprised him and Gibson are so close considering their situations couldn't be more far apart. Yeah, his I don't remember what his passing yards were or if he had any posted, but his passing yards prop would be or receiving yards prop would be a lot higher. Yeah. Then Gibson, obviously, I'm taking the over. Uh, it's fun. You mentioned the offensive line. I just listened to Ross Tucker on the on the Harris podcast mm-hmm. today, and he had the Lions ranked third behind the Eagles and the Chiefs, and they were two elite offensive lines. The Lions were just a tick below that, and it was depth. So if that line is healthy, it it's one of the best two or three offensive lines in the league. The smart people say so. So I'm going to agree with them on that. Cause I'm no offensive line expert besides the fact that I know the chiefs had a bad offensive line in the super bowl that one time. Um, I think Swift is a decent bet to, to make if you can find a prop for him to lead the league in total yards from scrimmage this year. And if I think that, I think he's going over this number. I mean, this is a pretty, pretty pedestrian number. I, Number one, it's a health bet. Number two, it's a bet on him earning more work as a rusher this year. And so earning more work when the game script hasn't gone to crap, basically, for the Lions. And I am really, really hopeful that that happens. And I am ranking him as such. And I am predicting his yardage prop as such as well. Johnny? Nice. Now, I I like DeAndre Soto a lot. I I think it's kind of an easy over kind of shocked how close DeAndre Swift and Gibson's over-unders were like just 25 apart with their situations but I I definitely think he'll hit the over Mm -hmm. okay so we can just cycle it right back to Antonio Gibson here (laughs) Dalton and I each brought three players that we changed our minds about we put out kind of preliminary ranks I don't I, I think we did actually publish them they were only top 36 at running back receiver top 12 at tight end and quarterback so these are a little deeper this time around, but Antonio Gibson is probably the number one guy. He and Miles Sanders. So I went with Gibson on on the topic on this show that I changed my mind about. And I just, I do not feel good about where things stand for Gibson in in this backfield right now. We talked about all the concerns a a minute ago to, to be honest, but you've got Brian Robinson. They spend a third round pick to bring him in every chance Ron Rivera gets. He is talking up a thunder and lightning type of duo between these guys and that's not even factoring in uh jd mckissick i had gibson at rb17 in my initial ranks because if the situation was what it was last year i think that's about right i I think he is he's not one of the best 10 backs in football but he's probably one of the best like 15 back i think he's above average i think he's right in that 10 to 15 range if you're just ranking running backs but it's just hard to justify his price tag right now based on the potential downsides. I mean, you just look at last year. He was the RB20 in points per game. And you mentioned it, Dalton. That's with McKissick missing four games with a concussion. And that's with him ranking fifth in total red zone opportunities at 53 last year. 
That role is completely up in the air. He's out with the hamstring injury right now. Brian Robinson, if he profiles as anything, it's a goal line plotter and a between the tackles guy and a short yardage guy and other parts of the field. So the upside is we're just wrong on the opportunity and Gibson does get that opportunity and outperforms what we think. The downside is he's a between the 20s guy who is also splitting those between the 20s reps and gets the occasional red zone look. I just don't like it. I don't like anything about Gibson this year. Yeah, uh, just definitely not a fan of him. Uh, you're betting on a back in a bad offense with a, you know, the NFL's moved on to two back backfields, but three backs in a backfield makes it incredibly ugly. It's hard to verify where the points are coming from. And in any backfield like that, I'm, I'm going to lean towards the guy catching the football because that's where you can get your quickest and easiest fantasy points. And uh, on a bad team, especially, and a team that doesn't sound like they're going to have J- Chase Young to start the season, I like the idea of having a guy who's catching balls out of that backfield and not a guy who's only running between the 20s and not getting any of the high-value touches on that team. Mm-hmm. So, Dalton, who's who's your first guy? Uh, you know, you just kind of set me up right for it. But in the same sense, I've changed my mind on Cordero Patterson. Mm-hmm. And this isn't like a massive change, but I had him at like 41 in my initial rankings. He's up to 27. Really? Uh, oh, so you're the opposite. I'm feeling worse about Cordero the closer wow. we get. So I'm feeling better about him because he's so cheap at cost that I like what I'm getting from him. So last year, me and Evan talked a lot about it. The reason he was RB5 for so long was he was highly efficient with his touchdowns. I mean, one game, I think he had 12 touches and three touchdowns or close to it. It was incredibly effective. Uh, This year, I'm just as confident in his ability to be a playmaker. And I like where you're getting him for a price point. You can get him all the way right now, RB48. And he's basically a wide receiver playing running back. The addition of Tyler Algier doesn't really scare me. He'll probably get a lot of the rushing work, but that's not where Cordero Patterson is going to be getting his points. He's going to be getting at the receiving game. He still is either the second or the third most talented player on this roster, depending on how Drake London plays out his rookie season. He's third. And, He's third. He's behind Pitts and London. Well, we'll see. We don't know what London is yet, um, but I still like CPAT. I like how he fits. Uh, this is a, an offense with a lot of big bodies, and he's the single player who really fits as a like a slot role. Brian Edwards can't play that slot role. So if we start getting a running back playing slot reps, I mean, it's just easy money on that. So I like the idea of taking him late in, in drafts, and he's just a guy there who has like really high flex value and then just has that that touchdown potential. Mm-hmm. I I wonder how soon they're going to try and shift some of the running like the running back workload pure running back workload to either Damian Williams or or Algier or both Patterson kind of quietly wasn't very good once he was just changed to a pure running back down the stretch so you kind of hope that he's used more as just a jack of all trades in this offense I'd be a little nervous about having him at 27 I think I have a mid 30s and I like him as my my first guy off the bench so I'm not out on Patterson by any means. I'd be a little nervous about start about drafting him and wanting to start him right away. Partially, you know, this team stinks. I'm a little unsure of what his actual role will be, if it'll be what it was beginning of the year when we loved it or later in the year when it wasn't as good. And this guy is just kind of a one-year wonder. So part in the back of my mind, I'm just a little bit nervous about him repeating a, a relevant season this year. But overall, he's worth the gamble in the third. 
for the truthers, this was not a one-year wonder for Patterson. It was just <laughs> finally the year he was used correctly. Um, but just to be clear, just because I have him ranked 27, I'm not telling people to take him. Right, for sure. Board. I have I still want you to, Yeah, there. I still want you to wait and take him in an appropriate spot. Please do not reach in the seventh or eighth round and take Corderell Patterson and say, I told you so. <laughs> I'm, do, I'm doing a best ball draft. I'm taking Patterson top 30. You can't stop me. Okay. Um, you know what? I, I One of my guys is actually a topic later in the show, and he's actually a guy that we agree on and we're going to talk about, a uh, receiver. So I'm just going to save my spiel for then uh, on my second guy. So I'll give my, my third guy here, and this is the one. I think I actually messaged you guys and was just completely pissed off after I did the research for this the other day. I'm sadly having to lower Nick Chubb, and this has nothing to do with Deshaun Watson. I started off with Chubb as my RB5 in the initial ranks. He's been lowered ever so slightly in in the next few that I've done. But in this one, he's cleared down to RB... Gosh, let me double check. RB9, which that's got to be the lowest I've ever ranked Nick Chubb uh, ahead of any season. And... I just I'm just flabbergasted by what the Browns have done or not done with, with this guy since since Kareem Hunt has got there. So I was just doing some some looking back at the good old days, which the good old days being 2019 weeks one through eight, aka when Kareem Hunt was suspended. Chubb was the RB five overall, RB four in points per game during that stretch. He had 31 targets and 25 receptions in that stretch. The 31 targets, pretty close to a career high. The 25 the twenty-five receptions, not quite a career high, but not that far off. And he was on pace for 50, which is a lot more than, than he's ever had. And he was over 300 yards. He's never had more than 36 receptions in a season. In fact, since Kareem Hunt's got there the last two full seasons, he has 36 total receptions since Kareem Hunt has been a full-time guy the last two years, not, not including the second half of, of 2019. The thing about Chubb is he, he can still overcome all of this because he is just awesome as a rusher. Even with only getting 58% of the opportunity share in the backfield last year, this guy was a fantasy stud. So it's just the tip of the cap to how freaking good he is, how good his rushing upside is. He can have a game of 150 rushing yards, and you're like, yep, that's Nick Chubb. But what's maddening is I have to find the Ian Hartitz tweet, so I'll find that in a second. But basically, anytime Kareem Hunt is out, he does not get the workhorse treatment like Kareem Hunt gets vice versa when Nick Chubb is out. So that's incredibly frustrating. Still just like having him this high as RB9, even with the low volume, it's just the it's just a tip of the cap to how good this guy is. I think this guy is actually the, if I had to sit and name a running back, who's the best in the league, I think it's Nick Chubb 2020. He outperformed his fantasy points per game, his expected fantasy points per game by almost seven, a game last year. It was almost three a game. So basically that just means he's not getting a ton of work and doing a ton with the work he's getting. And that is with only scoring eight touchdowns in each of those seasons. So he's, He's only had the one season of double-digit touchdowns. So I am very sad to say I have to be lower on Nick Chubb than I want to be, and that is because of you, Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, I was actually surprised 
it dropped all the way to nine in your rankings on our way too early rankings earlier this year. I know you had him in the top 12. Yeah. So it's definitely tough to watch that happen. I thought he was going to be a subject <laughs> of debate between you and I, like he is every year. Um, I have him at 12 and you have him at nine. So we both kind of have him within a, a range where I think it's a little, little more priced in. It's just unfortunate that no matter what happens on that team, they refuse to give him like a 90% snap share. Mm-hmm. It, it, not 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 even that. So I've got Ian's tweet up now. Here's the highest single game snap rates from a Browns running back under Kevin Stefanski, which is the last two years. Kareem Hunt, 92%. Dearness Johnson, 90%. And that fateful Thursday night game, who can forget? Kareem Hunt, 85. Dearness Johnson, 71. Kareem Hunt, 69. He did that twice. Dearness Johnson, 69. Um, do we notice a name missing here? The best running back in the league, arguably. Like why? Why? Maybe it's not like Cream Hunt. Coach Stefanski knows something you don't. But he just the, the year before he got okay. I just, it's so frustrating. But at at some point, I've got to concede, and I and I just think this is what it is. It, it's just what it is with with Nick Chubb, and it sucks. It's it, it's unfortunate, and I mean even more unfortunate is that he won't catch any balls. So yep. there's just no fantasy path to like clear straight top five fantasy back for him unless he just absolutely goes a nuclear and averages and, like and 12 you can't yards even, a carry. And you can't even say, oh, well, if Cream Hunt gets hurt. Well, Cream Hunt has gotten hurt, and he's still never got that work. So this comes on in. Yep. So, okay, Dalton, give me your last two. I just want to get this guy at record because I think he's going to keep he's, – he's definitely my guy. He's definitely going to keep moving up my rankings. Um, it's Allen Robinson, who I already thought I was going to be above market on, and I am because he's wide receiver 24 right now. But you have him all the way at wide receiver 15, so you had to beat me there. I have him at wide receiver 17. I know this doesn't mean a lot, but I listened to Robert Mays on the Athletic Football Podcast, and he was at Rams camp, and th- th- they this entire coaching staff is gushing over Allen Robinson. Yep. They're talking about how versatile he is, how they can line him up anywhere. And I think it's important to note a couple of things. One, if you would have asked anybody who watched football two years ago who the better receiver was, Cooper Cup, or Allen Robinson, everybody would have told you it was Allen Robinson, like yep. it, without a doubt. And then he has one bad season where he's definitely sandbagging it in Chicago. He doesn't want to be there. Very clear the franchise tag upset him, and he's playing hurt. And everybody wants to throw him out the window. But then the Rams go out and pay him a boatload of money despite that lost season. He's had multiple top 10 wide receiver seasons with a horrible carousel of quarterbacks. I just think – that Allen Robinson is a guy that I'm going to continue to move up my ranks. I don't think it's crazy to say that he could outscore Cooper Cup in points this year just because of how good he is. He also fits the Matthew Stafford archetype better as a big-bodied wide receiver who goes up and gets contested catches. Think Megatron. Think Calvin John, or uh, think Kenny Galladay. It's just a lot of it makes sense. And I feel like we're undervaluing him because he had one bad season in a team that it took them 13 weeks to fire their head coach who was starting Andy Dalton over a first-round rookie and then let their rookie get sacked nine times in his first appearance. I mean, it was just a disaster situation for everybody, and I didn't expect anybody to perform in that. So, A-Rob, he's just going to keep moving up. I love the guy. I think he's probably, like, the biggest steal in fantasy right now. I agree with you. He he is one of the biggest steals, at least, in fantasy right now. I, saying he could outscore Cooper Cup might be a bridge too far for me. I think I feel a little better about Cup than you do, though. That's not a reflection on A-Rob. I have him 15, so I'm obviously a couple spots higher than you. I, I just think he is still one of the best 
10 to 15 receivers in football for all the reasons you said he was sandbagging it last year. The situation was terrible. The guy's never played with a good quarterback. I am just stoked to see him with a good quarterback and a great head coach and to see all the ways the Rams dial dial them up and, and use them. I just, more than anything, I just want the guy on my team. Like this rank is just a direct reflection of I am drafting Allen Robinson. I'm not necessarily saying I'm taking him as at 15 overall, unless the price raises and I have to do that, but I'm, I'm reaching for him. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the last guy who I've changed my opinion on, uh, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, I talked to him about a, a little bit ago. Wow. This guy was a three, four turn wide receiver last year. And we have a bad problem in fantasy with recency bias. He burned everybody. He was a drop. Me and Evan told you to drop him like halfway through the season last yep. year. Finished the season on a tear. Had three top 12 weeks as a wide receiver. And you get him so cheap now. He's going as the wide receiver 47. And his upside is just so much higher. He's a first-round pick. He has first-round draft capital. He's playing in an offense that gets the ball to playmakers effectively. And he's playing with a quarterback and an entire like press core that is all about him this offseason. It's like it's been the Brandon Ayuk show at minicamp. And, I mean, just slotting him in the top 36 when he was like in the top 24 last year mm-hmm. feels like a steal. And a lot of the time, it's just a post-hype sleeper situation where Brandon Ayuk clearly got in the doghouse last year. Once he got out of it, he was doing everything that we knew he could do. His yeah, he, he was good. He, he was good down the stretch. Yeah, and his reception perception, he was still running his routes effectively and killing them. There was nothing that happened other than he didn't get the playing time because his coach is just very moody and picks and chooses when he's, when he's going to play players. But I love Ayuk at cost. If you would have drafted him last year this late, you wouldn't have cared that he didn't play the first five weeks because he still would have returned value mm-hmm. the second half of the season. So Kyle Shanahan pretty much came out eh, a week or two ago and more or less, it's a long quote, but more or less said that Ayuk just wasn't ready for camp last year. He didn't show up ready to work. Essentially. He didn't have a real camp his rookie season. So I, it kind of seems like it was a little bit of a shock to the system for him. What camp actually was like last year. And it sounds like the opposite has been true this year. And a lot of times I don't read into that. I don't get excited by that. But given the backdrop of this situation, it is great to hear great things come out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth talking about Brandon Ayuk. You know how I feel about him. I I think he's one of the more underrated guys in in the NFL at this point at receiver. I actually still have all of my notes from, from last year too. I just went back and saw yesterday that I said, word for word, he could be a top 10 receiver last year. Do I think that this year? Not quite, but I think there is some upside to, to still be to still be seen there. Me and Evan also have Ayuk at 35, exactly. We do. So wow. lockstep. Yeah, we're, we're in lockstep. We're, we're in lockstep on that one and Chris Olave at 36. So mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right, Dalton. We are about to get very much out of lockstep here. Um, it is time to embrace debate, as some shows might say. All right. And on that note, Johnny, take it away as the host and the judge of this fierce debate. Yeah, let's get let's get ready for a ranking debate. Uh, the first setting or first option is first is RB. Derrick Henry, ADP, RB4. 
Evan has him ranked as RB6. Dalton has him ranked as RB10. Um, let's let's have Dalton go first. Let's see what this debate high school has in mind. We've got we've got to start this off right. <laughs> All right, we're doing this official two minutes on the clock. Starting now, Dalton. I'm incredibly excited to fade Derrick Henry for the third straight season and pay for it irreparably. Um, but let me give you the nightmare scenario that is the Tennessee Titans. They lose their best playmaker in the passing game, A.J. Brown. They replace him with an injured Robert Woods and Traylon Burks, who's had incredibly pro- like an incredibly problematic minicamp. And coming out, he was a really raw prospect. I don't really trust him or Woods to replace the production of A.J. Brown, and I expect more stacked boxes for Derrick Henry. Uh, Brandon Thorne has ranked the Tennessee Titans offensive line 28th in the NFL, and any drop-off in Ryan Tannehill's play is to the detriment of Derrick Henry. And I know he was incredible. He was the best fantasy producer he was last year. But his underlying metrics were not that good. He had 4.3 yards per carry instead of 5.1. The reason he was a monster last year was he had 27.4 carries a game. And we saw what happens when you do that. He breaks down. He doesn't finish the season. In the game, Derrick Henry came back. He looked anything but like himself. He ran the ball 20 times for 62 yards and then had a short touchdown. Deontay Foreman in one carry had as many yards as Derrick Henry. And I think that this offense is questionable at best going forward. And an offense that's been on the edge of efficiency, that's really been harping against the way the NFL is working, just is going to have such a problem producing Derrick Henry at a high level again. He's the only back in my top 10 who doesn't catch any footballs. And I'm just here to, you know, finally fade him. I'm putting guys in front of him who have easier ceiling cases because the floor is really bad with Derrick Henry, where if his carries aren't as efficient, he's not getting 27 carries a game, then there's no way he's going to return value for you, especially for people who are drafting him all the way in the top three. Not bad. Three seconds to spare. Proud of you. See if this buzzer works. All right. Two minutes for myself. Starting now. So Derrick Henry was the RB14 in points per game last season. He played just eight games in that season. And again, I have him at, at RB4, right? So I'm I'm lower overall. Or is it even RB4? I'm already forgetting my own rank here. No, RB6. So I, I'm even – he's like number three overall consensus. So I'm no Derrick Henry apologist by any means. I'm actually, I've been the opposite over the years. I've been probably the biggest Derrick Henry fader known to man. But again, I know the underlying stats don't look great for Henry last year. I will say that as the season goes on, he has usually gotten better in the past. It's just last year he actually got hurt. So you didn't have that opportunity to see, okay, is he going to go crazy down the stretch like he did the year before? Last year, he averaged more points per game than Jonathan Taylor, who, of course, was the RB1 on the season. I know the age, 28. I know the workload he had, almost 24 carries per game um, the last couple of years. 28, basically, or 27 last year. But you mentioned he doesn't catch the ball. He really doesn't compare to the top guys, but he did start to get more involved in the passing game. 20 targets, 18 receptions, one reception off his career high, well on pace for a career high in targets. And, you know, again, for the record, I'd have him one spot lower if Alvin Kamara were all systems go. But 
here's Derrick Henry the last couple of years. RB3 in 2019, RB2 in 2020, and then RB14 last year, but the RB1 in points per game. I'm already giving him a little bit of a discount in my ranks based on the injury concern, but I do feel like if we're giving Christian McCaffrey the benefit of the doubt after back-to-back years of injury concerns, I think we have to give this guy that same benefit of the doubt because he's been just as productive, just in different ways. Wow, with five seconds to spare. Well, I win because I had less time left. Uh, <laughs> Don't think that's how this works. I do understand giving our boy CMC the benefit of the doubt and doing an about face and not giving Derrick Henry the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. The difference is, in my opinion, their play styles. Derrick Henry has to get hit every play, and Christian McCaffrey really doesn't. Um, and then their the, country- the other the other difference, and not to sound like I'm pointing out the obvious here, Derrick Henry is like three times the size of Christian McCaffrey. So there's little more assurance that he can maybe hold up to, to that kind of being than McCaffrey. So there, there, yes. is, there is also that. All right. But, and on note, debate is over. It's been two <laughs> minutes each. Respect the time, please. Uh, and on that note, I think uh, Evan's going to win this one because it feels like Dalton just has a vendetta against Derrick Henry and he's just kind of sticking to it. But Evan kind of had a, usually more, of a, more of a basis on it. Sorry, when Derrick Henry's outside of the top 20, I want you each to rue this day. Yeah, we'll clip this. We'll clip this whole thing. We'll make it to a whole a whole video. It'll be great. All right, Johnny. Give us the next guy. Actually, you know what? We got to get a bell every time here. I mean, it's, it's only right. All right. Next guy is Saquon Barkley, ADP RB13. Evan has him ranked as RB12. Dalton with RB7. Let's have Evan go first here. Okay, so I'm basically at market on Barkley, and Dalton is only a couple of spots lower, although we've talked about this a lot. I, I think any difference of a couple of spots at this point is a pretty big difference because it's so high in your draft, and the opportunity cost is definitely there. I think there's a definite drop-off after 11 for me, which is Aaron Jones, as far as safety. There is not much safety with Saquon Barkley after what we've seen the last couple of years. But he's kind of in a tier of his own when you're looking at backs, if you exclude Kamara in in that range of ranks for me. Because I still think Saquon has top five RB upside. I know Dalton has loved the Giants offense this this offseason. And I think it's a little hard to love this offense without also loving Saquon Barkley. This is year two for Barkley post-ACL. His 2021 season, we probably shouldn't have been so bold and expected so much. And when I say we, I'm mainly talking about me specifically, um, expecting a lot from Barkley. It was his first year back. We know how that goes for a lot of players. Even so, the guy had 200 yards and three touchdowns and 11 catches back-to-back weeks, weeks three and four, was starting to kind of hit his stride. And then he has the flukiest of fluky injuries against the Cowboys, getting hurt, running back to the huddle. Everybody talks about Dabble and what he can do for this offense. I think that's totally valid. I think if Barkley can stay healthy, he's the ultimate chess piece in this offense. He's a great pass catcher. The guy's caught 91 balls his rookie season. I know that's a long time ago, but we see the clips. We see the highlights in training camp. I just think if it hits with Barkley and he has that, and he gets that every down work and the health is right, because the offensive line should be better for New York this year. The weapons are better. We'll see about Daniel Jones. The coaching should be miles better. 
I think Barkley is a very high upside guy. Wow, I feel like you basically did my job for me there. I did your job for you? Well, let's yeah. go. Uh, I think the most important place to start out with Saquon Barkley is how absolutely terrible the New York Giants were last year. And I don't think they get enough credit for it because the Jacksonville Jaguars were so dysfunctional that no one was looking in the NFC East at the New York Giants. They were the second worst offense last year, only behind Houston. They only scored five more points than the Jacksonville Jaguars across the season for the second lowest scoring total of any team. They were a league low in pass yards with 188. The next highest team had a 201. They ran a QB sneak on third and eight on their own 10-yard line. And then Robert Mays on the Athletic Show last week went on and said that Ben McAdoo had four scripted plays on third down that he ran all season. You do not get worse than that. There are children who play Madden who know you can't run the same play three times in a row and expect it to work. But the New York Giants did. This year, the offensive line ranks at 18th for PFF. I highly expect a huge increase in coaching. And Saquon Barkley is only 25 years old. And like you said, it's just a season removed from catching 98 passes, which is incredible. That is huge fantasy upside. And the pass opportunities in this offense are going to increase. You don't go from 188 pass yards at anywhere but up. The opportunity for fantasy relevance is everywhere but there. And last year, despite the lost season, Saquon Barkley was still really good. He had the same yards per carry as Alvin Kamara. He averaged more yards after contact than David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift. And he had more yards per route run than Najee Harris and Dalvin Cook. He did all of that despite playing on the most putrid and horrific offense. He's a top five talent, and I'm ranking him outside of that just because he's tied to Daniel Jones, but I still think he's a long shot and easy shot for overall RB1. So as much as I love Saquon and and talked him up, I think we also have to acknowledge the, the risk profile. It's been multiple years since the guy has actually produced at that elite level. You look back and you would think his points per game would be fine. He, he, it would be like the typical injury-riddled season, but he actually averaged less than 10 points per game. So as much as I love Saquon, I love the upside. I think there are much safer guys, which is why, like I said, Aaron Jones at 11 is the clear cutoff of safety for me. And Saquon's not in that safety circle of trust just yet. Yeah. When I draft my running backs, I just, I, it's just hard for me to pinpoint a safety profile of any running back. Like who's going to stay healthy at this point. You know, you have guys like Dalvin cook, who's, injured quite frequently joe mixon who played his first healthy season deandre swift who hasn't played a healthy season i'll have above him um i i think it's just a hard profile and i'm just looking for home runs which i think might be part of the difference in our rankings all right and after that no i think dalton is the winner of the saquon debate here okay to be straight up i thought dalton had him at rb 17 the whole time I was doing my oh yeah because like the debate sounded the same and a little fishy I'm wondering if there was some editing in the Google Doc uh, that that was done because I'm pretty sure I saw 17 
think we need the I think we need the count. I mean, go back we can and start we counting. can we can make an audit, Our but we can. Our official Substack ranks that you pushed out have <laughs> I didn't look at every one of your ranks when I pushed it out. I looked at the doc and the doc. I'm there's sure. there's no update. The only update was me giving Dalton the tally. Oh, no. I I mean like I prepped for this yesterday, so. <laughs> but. <laughs> Regardless. All right, next one next one. play. <laughs> now, now I'm really feeling frisky. All right. <laughs> Give us the third one. We got Javante Williams at RB10 ADP. Evan has him ranked as RB10. Dalton has him ranked as RB16. Got one it. six. Got it. Got it. All right, Evan, you can go first. So. My opponent has Javante Williams ranked at RB16. With Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, with Melvin Gordon splitting the reps basically 50-50 with a slight edge to Melvin Gordon last year, he finished as the RB17 last year. Yes, I know he had great health. That is part of it. But we've talked about this before. The health will probably regress. I think the volume should go up him in year two here's what we know he can improve on just even if the volume isn't crazy for him this year melvin gordon had 20 attempts inside the 10 yard line last year that's 11th in the league javante was 21 attempts four touchdowns but you look at the full red zone splits it was 48 to 35 in favor of melvin gordon I'd be pretty surprised if this year two budding star is outworked in the red zone. And actually down the stretch last season, it was eight to five Javante in the last four games of the season, looking at red zone opportunities. Denver is going to be a better offense. There's going to be more scoring opportunities, more yardage opportunities. I think between the two Javante Williams is quietly the more talented receiving back of these two. He, in the one game without Melvin Gordon, had nine targets, six receptions against the Chiefs. I think the volume should see a slight uptick. But but even if we don't get that, we've talked about predict, predictive metrics here. Number He's number one in the last 10 years in highest rate of missed tackles forced by a rookie. There have been differing opinions on how the workload's going to go. One beat writer has said Melvin Gordon's a clear backup competing with Mike Boone. The other saying Javante. I just think if it's 60-40, I have little trouble seeing Javante living up to this rank and we have upside for more, which is what's baked into this rank. We have upside for a workhorse. Two minutes on the clock for Mr. Willie. This is one of the scarier ranks that I put out. Uh, I've been a fan of Javante Williams since last year after watching him at the university of North Carolina. Uh, But like my great co-host pointed out, Uh, He has a backfield mate who is no slouch. And in fact, Melvin Gordon is incredibly talented. Last year, Melvin Gordon had an 83.4 rushing grade, which was ninth amongst 50 backs in the NFL. His yards per carry was 16th in the NFL. His yards after contact was tied for 16th. And his missed tackles forced per missed carry was 10th. I mean, this is a truly amazing player playing behind Javante Williams. And that's no discount to Javante. Um, now I know there've been conflicting reports about who's leading this backfield. I do expect Javante Williams to be the leader of it, but I also expect total opportunity for running backs to go down since 2016. Nathaniel Hackett has called seven offenses in those every offense had a pass rate of 60% or more, but once last year, 
Denver had the seventh highest rush rate over expectation, meaning their running backs got a lot of opportunity, gave them a lot of ability to get in it. This year, I don't expect that to be the case. It's been very clear that this is Russ's offense, and that's where things get a little more concerning because Russ has not been a red zone quarterback. Russ has been a deep ball quarterback. In his last five years in the NFL, Russell Wilson has only had a 42% TD rate in the red zone. This team will score a lot of points, but I think a lot of those points are going to be scored outside of the red zone. And then most importantly, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are both competing for this coaching staff. They weren't drafted by this organization by either of them. Melvin Gordon was brought back on a contract. I expect another 50-50 split, and everybody I have in front of Javante Williams already has workhorse duties in their offense, and I'm just not willing to rank him any higher until he's going to be the one getting the work, especially with such a talented back standing right behind him. So Aaron Jones has workhorse opportunities. I'm not so sure about that. Okay. Um, Aaron Jones is going to catch 100 passes this year. Two two questions for you. Do you know who is second in the NFL right now, active running backs in most carries? It's Melvin Gordon. It's Melvin Gordon. Okay. That's one red flag for Melvin Gordon. Um, second question. Do you not think that a better offense equaling more plays could probably offset slightly lower volume, like percentage-wise overall running the ball, because I think it will. I would if I was willing to give Javante the red zone role, which I'm not going to. I think Melvin Gordon performed just as good, if not better, than Javante in the red zone last year. Last question. How long did it take? Now, I've got three. He did say two. I I made one up in my mind right now. How long did it take this Broncos front office to bring Melvin Gordon back? It took an extended period of time, but I think that was just an indication of the running back market, not necessarily of Melvin Gordon's skills. And I think Melvin Gordon was looking for a bigger payday. Wow. You couldn't get it. I wonder why, why that is. Well, no running backs got it, except for Chase Edmonds somehow. Okay, Johnny. And on that note, I am going to go with Evan with the with a single win there because of the three additional questions he asked at the end. Yes. I oh, know we were allowed there. questions. I'm going to mix them up in my we, head. We said we, said we got like a minute. <laughs> you guys, we have like a you minute guys after both talked debate. afterwards for every ranking so far, and he just, he just stumped you there. I'm sorry. All right. This guy. We're probably the furthest apart of anybody in our entire ranks, it seems like, Dalton. Yes, and it is James Cook, ADP at RB40. Evan has him ranked as RB37. Dalton has him ranked as RB57. Five, seven, and Evan has him ranked as 37. Dalton, you can go first. Every year we do this at the fantasy community. We find one guy who goes to a team and we want to inflate him because that team is really good. I did it two years ago with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I have since learned from that. I understand the allure of James Cook. He's a talented pass-catching back, but that's really where it ends with James Cook. The Buffalo Bills are not a team who passed running backs. Overall, in the last two years, the Bills ranked 27th and 25th for targets to their running backs. And then, inside the five carries over the past two seasons, the Buffalo Bills ranked 29th. Those are three opportunity markers where we would want James Cook to do well. Now, 
I do not know why the fantasy community thinks that's going to change because these tendencies exist because of Josh Allen. Josh Allen does not check the ball down because he's a talented runner, and Josh Allen does not need a running back in the red zone because he's a talented runner. He does the work for them. The fantasy community wants to inflate him because this is a high-passing offense and they expect some work for him. But even if we do that, what does a realistic pecking order look like in Buffalo? Does it go Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, then Knox, and then McKenzie Alexander? I don't think that those four are going to get out-targeted by James Cook. It's incredibly hard to see a world where James Cook gets enough work to be a relevant and startable fantasy asset or to be a fantasy asset that you can trust week to week. The Buffalo Bills have a large quantity of players who are talented pass catchers, and they simply don't use the running back because they love to use their wide receivers. Last year, they had the highest percentage of going five wide in the NFL. They love to spread the ball out, and Josh Allen is their most talented runner on the field. More concerning is that since bringing him in, Zach Moss is now getting work again. If <laughs> Zach Moss can outwork James Cook, then I don't think that this is an offense where I want anything to do with the running back. Oh, I was not expecting a Zach Moss name drop. I just have to say, CEH, you pumped up to like three overall. This is 37 amongst running backs. So this is a little different. This isn't like we're not even pumping this guy up to be a starter for fantasy football. They have not been a team that's done the running backs a ton. You're right. But it appears this is a dimension that they really, really want. They had J.D. McKissick. They had him basically signed, sealed, and delivered until they didn't. They lost him. They go and they draft Cook. They spend either a second or third round capital on him. I can't remember off the top of my head. They throw to their running backs like the percentages don't sound great, but Singletary had 50 targets last year. That's not nothing. And if James Cook gets 50 targets and maybe you can bump him up to 55 or 60 because he's a better receiver than – than Singletary, that guy's going to return value as a fantasy football asset. He's straight up a great receiver for a running back, and he's not just a running back as a receiver. And that that's where I think our biggest difference is, and, and that's where I think I would encourage uh, some James Cook highlight viewing on your part because last year at Georgia, they lined him up out wide a ton. There are, there are highlights of him beating guys on straight up vertical routes where he is running – good routes to get by guys and i think that's what i see him as you think about aaron jones and the reason why you love him so much and why i like him obviously too as a top 12 guy is how they use him in the passing game it's not as a running back he is a wide receiver who can also play running back with how he can catch the ball down the field 20 30 yards down the field and then make plays i think cook could immediately be the second most explosive player on this offense he's underrated as a rusher and i just i'm kind of dumb with singletary i think to me cook is is the back in this backfield i would be concerned to say that cook is the guy in the backfield when buffalo bills beat reporters have zach moss working in with the twos and james cook is not and we know zach moss is no good player i my biggest concern here is that Josh Allen and a rushing quarterback in general just is not going to utilize a pass catching back the way we want them to. Again, I just don't think he's going to be used as a pure pass catching back because that's not what he was used at at all in college. He's a guy that can line up wide while Zamir White is in the backfield and run actual legitimate routes down the field. And there's been like some weird compliments about him as a rusher 
comparing him to his older brother, Dalvin Cook, which I definitely am not going there. But it at least makes you a little bit optimistic that he's underrated as a rusher. 3.8 yards per carry after contact last year at Georgia. It's not nothing. They didn't bring in any other receivers. A lot of people draw that line to Gabe Davis. Maybe it's because this guy's going to be used as a wide receiver quite a bit. I mean, they drafted Shakur, and they, they did bring in Jameson Crowder. So there's I mean, like, receivers of of consequence. Like, okay. everyone's going crazy about Gabe Davis because they didn't go out and sign someone big to come in and be their wide receiver, too. So do you think Josh Allen will throw more to the running back? Yeah, I, I do. I do. Because they invested in this guy. They tried to invest in McKissick. It's clearly a dimension that they want. Josh Allen just signed the big contract. What happens when... When guys sign the big contract, they start running a little bit less. Who has more inside the five attempts in the last three years, Josh Allen or Ezekiel Elliott? Oh, I don't know, but I don't care. I'm not worried about the the stuff as a as a runner with with uh, James Cook. I think this is a guy that you're underrating as just a pure receiver and how he can be used. I would love to take the bet that James Cook does not return value. Oh, well, what's value then? Is value if if you're saying where I have him ranked? RB forty. So he either finishes below, which is not value, or above, which is value. That's fine. Yeah, I'll take that. RB40? Yep. All right. Put it down, Johnny. Who you got in this bet? Not in this bet, in this uh, debate. Wow. That was – that. this is a tough one because Dolan kind of got me swayed with uh, Zach Moss getting to work. And I was like, oh, snap. How's Evan going to come back with this? And – Evan brought up a lot of good points is that James Cook might line up as a wide receiver. That's kind of how he was utilized at Georgia. And uh, that, that, that kind of selling point kind of got me to sway towards Evan for this debate. So the only one I've lost so far is the one that I was unclear because I was dumb <laughs> about what Dalton was ranked. But made my argument for me. We still have <laughs> we still have receivers to go through. It'd be a little bit of a longer show today, but to be expected, that's okay. We'll see if we can get out of here in an hour 20. Hour 20-ish is the goal. Let's hit it, Johnny. We've got receivers to go through. The first one being a former chief, but first, as always. Yep, former chief Tyreek Hill, ADP, wide receiver 8. Evan has him ranked as wide receiver 7. Dalton has him ranked as wide receiver 12. I just realized I had Derrick Henry up on the screen this entire time. Ben just keeps locked <laughs> into these debates. Uh, let's have uh, let's have Dalton go first since he's trailing three to one. That's true. It'd be devastating if I blew a three to one lead. Go ahead, Dalton. Let's start with what the story has been with Tyree Kill this offseason. He gets traded to Miami, and everybody is suddenly a believer in McDaniels being an incredible coach and making Tyree Kill a better fantasy asset. Last year in the best offense with one of the best offensive-minded coaches and the best quarterback, Tyreek Hill was the wide receiver six. But now we have him going as the wide receiver eight, and Evan has him at the wide receiver seven. It's pretty difficult for me to picture a scenario where Josh McDaniels and Tua Tagovailoa do a better job at utilizing Tyreek Hill than Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. More importantly, Tyreek Hill set a career high in targets and still wasn't able to eclipse that line. Tua is the sixth most turnover-prone QB when throwing deep in the NFL, and we all know Tyreek Hill has a problem with not keeping the ball in his hands when he's thrown that way. Tua was also ranked 27th in the Athletics QB tier list, with a ton of people speculating that Tua is just not that guy. 
I don't like to invest in high-end fantasy assets with two players who are going on a top 20 in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill with a quarterback who some people are putting right next to Davis Mills in terms of skill. It's really hard for me to invest that. And then I don't think the volume is going to be there. As an offensive coordinator for the 49ers last year, Josh McDaniels called a pass play 51.61% of the time, third lowest in the NFL. Now, Tyreek Hill is no slouch when it comes to talent. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to competing with Jalen Waddle for targets and in an offense that's probably going to run the ball more than he would like, I don't like the idea of investing a high-end return when I'm tied to a quarterback whose deep ball hasn't been there, whose offensive line has been non-existent, and who the entire NFL is still out on three years later, even after he lost several starts to former journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick. So just count me out on Tyreek Hill this year. Okay, get the time up here. Let me just say that to his deep ball, while I agree this chart may overinflate it a tad, the same chart that you tout Daniel Jones is a good deep ball thrower. Tua is over 75% accuracy with a 0.6 EPA per dropback. You could look at this chart and someone uninformed could say, oh, he's a very deep ball thrower than Patrick Mahomes because he's higher up on the chart than Mahomes. Not saying he is, but he's an, he's an okay deep ball thrower, especially in structure. He's like Kirk Cousins. You get him out of structure, it's done. It's gone. You're, you're not get, It's not going to happen for you. So the thing with Tyree Kill and why I'm not worried about the volume so much, yeah, it's not going to be what it, what it was in Kansas City. But it's a little disingenuous to act like that's what it's always been. We know he basically had to turn into the best possession receiver in football last year because of how teams were playing the Chiefs and how the Chiefs struggled to – to do anything down the field with how they are being played, quite frankly. Um, the name of the game with McDaniels as a coordinator in San Francisco last year was get the ball in my best player's hands at any means necessary, that being Debo Samuel. Tyree kills on Debo Samuel from a power perspective, but can you scheme up a million different ways to get that guy the ball? And he is the best player on this offense. I love, I love Waddle, but Tyree kill is a, just a great technician he can win at every level he's gonna make Tua's life so much easier I think he's as close to quarterback proof as it gets for a receiver because of how many different ways you can scheme him the football sure his quarterback may limit his ultimate ceiling but the floor to me is rock solid and that ceiling limitation is priced in at that wide receiver seven price range if I believed they could use him as good as Mahomes and, and Reed have in years past not just last year He'd be wide receiver two or three and a no doubt or top eight pick, but he's seven. He's got that priced in to his price in my mind. He's going to break off some deep plays too, because the dolphins aren't going to get played like the chiefs. Who's a better play caller at getting the player in the best player's hands, Andy Reid or Josh McDaniels. I just want to, or sorry, uh, this McDaniels. <laughs> this Mike McDaniels. McDaniels. Look, Andy Reid, but. There's also a Travis Kelsey that exists in Kansas City that that does not. I love Waddle, but that it it's just not it's just not the same because last year in San Francisco, what do you have? You have a below average quarterback who you've got to get the ball out quickly for him to stay positive, to stay a positive asset to your offense, and that is very similar to what we have right now with Tua. I think. Just out of curiosity. Last year, he was wide receiver six. Do you have a mm -hmm. wide receiver seven? Mm -hmm. Do you see any scenario where he outperforms last year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he 
as only being one spot lower, I, I'd have to say his ceiling is higher than that. It's just his ceiling to me. I don't think he's going to be top three overall. I don't see him above Jefferson. I don't see him above Chase. I don't see him above Cooper Cup. But anybody outside of that range, or Stefan Diggs, I, I would say Diggs too. But I would say anybody outside of that, basically four on, I could I could see 100%. Johnny? Just want to make sure if you didn't have any other follow-up questions, but I – I think Dalton has you beat, Evan. Okay. All right. Dalton, Snap. what do you have him ranked? You have him as 12? 12. Still top 12 wide receiver. I'll go Still on the record. Good. Top top 10 receiver. That's basically in the middle. We can even do top nine if you want to get closer to the Are we doing another bet? I'll we're, take we're it. I like this one. Are we planning a flag here? Um, just for this one? Total aside, as a Chiefs fan, I'm cheering entirely against the entire Miami Dolphins organization. Oh, me too. Me and too. yesterday's news was a godsend to start that. So – I will say, with this bet, since it's such a high total, top nine, let's do points per game. Let's take injuries out of it, and let's just do the player. Okay, but it has to be like at least eight games. I don't want to play one game, have a 70-yard touchdown, and then get injured and not play the rest of the season. That's fine. That's fine. All right, let's move on. All righty. That was intense. Uh, Next wide receiver up is A.J. Brown. His ADP is wide receiver 11. Evan has him ranked as wide receiver 16. Dalton has him ranked as wide receiver 9. Let's have uh, let's have Evan go first here. Okay. Where to start with Adrian Brown? I know this one's going to be contentious. So if you put this guy in a good situation, I would basically be at Dalton's rank. But he went from probably an average to slightly above average situation to below average. I would say, or average at best. And I think that matters. Per PFF, here's how the wide receiver one has fared in offenses with, quote-unquote, run-heavy quarterbacks, which run-heavy being defined as quarterbacks with 80-plus rushing attempts from a QB in a season. On average, the wide receiver one, this is the last 10 years, has finished at wide receiver 27. Now, there are extreme exceptions both ways. You have guys that finish in the top 10. You have a lot of examples of guys in the 30s and 40s. But let's look at those guys in the top 10. You have DeAndre Hopkins multiple times in the top five in Houston. Deshaun Watson, who is a better passer than the quarterback that he's got right now, A.J. Brown. Um, You have D.K. Metcalf with Russell Wilson. And then DeAndre Hopkins, again, with Kyler Murray, who still better passer than Jalen Hurts. The numbers spread out out. He's above league average. Hurts is in the mid to low 20s in most categories. And then Stefan Diggs twice with Josh Allen. Again, better passer. This guy has never finished above wide receiver 11. That's his highest finish. He's never reached 1,100 yards receiving. I love A.J. Brown. We just can't say he's at the same level of these other guys yet because he hasn't produced to that point. We don't exactly have a ton of positive camp reports to go off of as far as the quarterback, too. You have one day where A.J. Brown, or where, excuse me, where Jalen Hurts looks great. He's hitting everything. And then you have over the weekend where it's like anything further than 10 yards down the field, he just can't hit. And this is more about the quarterback at the end of the day than it is A.J. Brown. Down the stretch of last season, Hurts averaged 21 passing attempts per game, 178 yards, and one passing touchdown as they went on their run and protected their quarterback. I agree with Evan that a lot of this does come down to the quarterback. However, last year, I do think the Eagles protected their quarterback, but not in the same way that Evan may be telling you. Last year, the Eagles were just one of nine offenses to post a catch rate of 75% or worse 
on 20 plus yard passes that were deemed catchable by PFF. Jalen Hurts had to deal with the highest percentage of dropbacks where not a single pass catcher was considered open by PFF. Jalen Hurts was playing in an offense where Devonta Smith was learning the NFL, and then he was stuck with Jalen Rager and a cadre of bad wide receivers. The Eagles, after weeks one through six, became one of the most run-heavy offenses in the NFL. But for that, weeks one through six, they were one of the most pass-happy. I do think the Eagles return to a more pass-friendly offense. I know that Evan points out that A.J. Brown's never had stellar seasons. Well, that's because A.J. Brown's been hurt for two straight seasons. But when you look at his underlying metrics, he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's number three among 108 wide receivers with triple-digit targets since 28 in PFF grades. His yards per route run is 2.61, which is number four. His yards per reception is 16.2, eighth in the NFL. His yards after the catch is sixth. He's number six in the NFL. And he's third highest in the NFL in success rate per first man. Our boy Matt Harmon over at Reception Perception thinks that this is one of the best pairings in the NFL for a wide receiver duo because A.J. Brown can run the X roll while Devontae Smith works the flanker. This is a dream scenario for a quarterback. And unlike Tua Tagovailoa, who we talked about earlier, Jalen Hurts was voted 20th out of participating quarterbacks by the Athletic um, by several coaches. I know that Evan pointed out that run-heavy offenses don't always produce high-end wide receivers, but I don't think this is going to be a run-heavy offense again this year now that they went out and they traded for a player who needs the ball and demands the ball in his hands. So draft A.J. Brown, win your league. Look, at, at the end of the day, if Hurts performs like he did last year, which, yeah, the weapons weren't great, but you can elevate your weapons as a quarterback. That's allowed. He was 26th in true passer rating. 31st in troop completion percentage and 29th in accuracy rating. And if he does that again this year, what's to say that they don't go back to a run heavy offense. And real quick, if you have concerns about Debo Samuel as a yak guy, I mean, kind of what AJ Brown's going to have to be with uh, a quarterback. Who's not very accurate. I think the bigger issue on this offense last year wasn't inaccuracy from their quarterback. It was inability to get open. It's hard to be accurate when your players covered by a defensive back. Well, he was also very inaccurate uh, like three days ago in practice. But I digress. We know how I feel about Jalen Hurts. We know how Dalton feels about Jalen Hurts. I just think it's going to take a super efficient season and a very clean bill of health for this guy to be a top 12 receiver. History just is not a curiosity. Do you think like the run percentages between Tennessee with Derrick Henry and last year's Philadelphia Eagles are really that drastically different? No, but I think Ryan Tannehill's a better passer than Jalen Hurts. Those numbers. I cannot are... believe the words Ryan Tannehill and better came out of Evan Drake's Better mouth. passer. You 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 pumped up Jalen Hurts as being the 20th best quarterback in the league. Like I'm supposed to be impressed with that. Well, I mean, he's seven spots better than Tua Tagovailoa, and we're getting Tyreek Hill at wide receiver six. When I think AJ Brown, if he was in a Chiefs offense, everybody would suddenly have him on the same level as Tyreek. Uh, the, the difference is Tyreek Hill has actually done that before. Also with Alex Smith, not not just Patrick Mahomes. All right, and that was spicy enough here. Um, to even make things even more spicier, I am going to award Dalton with this victory. Wow. Because I believe that Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown are going to have a similar connection, not as well as the Stafford and Cup, but I just feel Stafford and Cup were kind of buddy-buddy. Produced well. I think Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown might do the same this year. I didn't even get the best friend narrative. I forgot. God. Man, Johnny, I feel like you're going to regret this one. 
We'll I, find I, out. I, I, I want on the record. You know what? This whole episode is on the record. It's being all recorded. <laughs> no, no, no. This is recorded. No, no, no. I want on the board bet record. Okay. Let's draft it I up. want... Let's do a Tyree Kill versus AJ Brown straight up. Okay. 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 All right. I do have AJ Brown at nine and Tyree Kill at 12, so that does make sense. It does. Very much so. That's why I suggested it. <laughs> all right. And the next wide receiver is Hunter Renfro, ADP... Um, Sorry, I was going to say, the last guy on our list, let me give you a bell, Johnny, and then you go, and then we'll go, and then we will get out of here. Okay. And the last guy on our list is Hunter Renfro again, ADP, wide receiver 32, Evan has him as wide receiver 26, Dalton has him ranked as wide receiver 44. Uh, Let's have Evan go first. So I don't even have to be clear up to my rank on this one. I just have to argue Hunter Renfro at market at wide receiver 32. This dude is literally in the mold in every conceivable way as every successful Patriots slot wide receiver coached by one Josh McDaniels, who is now the Las Vegas Raiders head coach. He's not going to repeat last year, 128 targets, 101 receptions, that, that's not going to happen. It, it doesn't have to happen, though, for him to live up to wide receiver 32 after he was the wide receiver 13 last year. This is a guy that we got solo cams on in the red zone because he's that special of a route runner. I think, and Matt Harmon pointed this out in reception perception, it is jarring how little John Gruden and company used this guy the last year and change before Gruden was unceremoniously fired midseason. Renfro, he benefited from injury from Darren Waller, sure, but he really took off down the stretch, and I think that usage, while it's not here to stay, I could 100% see him as an 80 to 90 type of catch guy, 85 catches. If you're telling me I can get that guy at wide receiver 32, I'm all in on that. I think this guy is one of the best probably 10 route runners in the NFL. He has a great connection with his quarterback. And yeah, you worry about Devontae Adams, but I think the bigger competition is with Darren Waller. Darren Waller, who is almost 30, has had multiple injuries. He's older than people think because he obviously missed years with with his drug um, addiction issues. So I just think Matt Harmon notes in our reception perception, he showed versatility as a flanker in two receiver sets. He's going to stay on the field in those situations, which is exactly how Julian Edelman was used. His, he's elite zone coverage beater. He's good against man. Even if the volume goes down, the player profile is there for a good year. All right, Dalton, carry us home. I'm very, I'm very glad Evan pointed out how Josh McDaniels used Patriot slots um, because I find that argument really disingenuous with Josh McDaniels connection. Uh, it's been Tom Brady's slots that have performed incredibly well from Julian Edelman and Wes Welker. It has not been Josh McDaniels, and I think that that's a trend that I'm going to continue throughout this entire argument and and how I feel about the Raiders' offense as a whole. I don't believe Josh McDaniels is a good play caller. I believe he's benefited from working in a Belichick system. Now, there have only been 4.3 instances in a season where a team employs two top 24 fantasy wide receivers, and that number drops down to 17 total instances in the history of the NFL when you add in a tight end. Now, Evan... And I am not saying that Hunter Renfro is going to be a top 24 wide receiver, but I doubt that he can stay in the top 36 with two target hogs like Darren Waller 
and Devontae Adams. More importantly, when fully healthy last year in the first game of the season, we saw what Darren Waller is capable of in a 16-target game. Derek Carr loves throwing to him, and Devontae Adams in and above himself demands a 25 to a 30% target share. I just don't think there's enough mouths to feed in this offense for Hunter Renfro to be a guy who gets consistent work. That, in addition to my concerns about Derek Carr being an above-average quarterback who can elevate this offense, I really think the path to fantasy relevance for Hunter Renfro is red zone usage and, more importantly, successful touchdowns. Derek Carr has never had a season where he's had more than 30. I did take the over with that, but even with that, I think to support Hunter Renfro, he's going to need to be a 35 to a 40 touchdown season because I don't think between the 20s, Hunter Renfro is going to get the work or the volume we need to sustain him. He's never going to be a deep threat, so he's going to need consistent targets to put up consistent fantasy numbers, and I don't believe with that. The floor with Josh McDaniels is incredibly shaky to me. I'm not a big believer in him. And to get the best out of Derek Carr, you have to be one of the best quarter or coaches in the NFL. Let the timer run out here. Okay, I have two things I want to say, and then I'm done. Number one, I don't think you can say Derek Carr loves throwing to Darren Waller and not also admit he loves throwing the Rimfro when Rimfro had 128 targets last year. I, I think he's fine throwing the Hunter Rimfro too. And I think I think it's tough to to just make the volume argument and have it only slight Renfro when he is an excellent zone beater. Like this guy is a, is a great route runner. He graded out well in the reception perception. He's one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. And to quote Matt Harmon with the juice to do a little bit more than guys like Jamison Crowder and Golden Tate on the outside and on stuff like digs and corner routes. So I, he doesn't have to be top 30. He just has to be a flex guy. 32 well for you he has to be top 30 you have a wide receiver 26 yeah but again if he's wide receiver 32 he's a heck of a lot closer to 26 than 44 yes but i simply don't think that there's enough mouths to feed i think darren waller is a better talent i think that the only reason we saw such an increase in targets hunter and for last year was directly because darren waller was not healthy second half of the season and there was really no one else in that wide receiver room to command that level of work and the raiders played a lot of shootouts and a lot of close games because their defense was incredibly bad. I'm just, I mean, reception perception grades them out pretty well. If we're going to give AJ Brown that boost, we've got to give Renfro. Uh, he's also playing alongside two ultra talents and AJ Brown is not. Again, I'm not saying he's AJ Brown. I'm just saying we've got to give him the props of being a good player because reception perception says so. If we're going to talk up AJ Brown above what he's ever done before. Yes. And I'm saying Hunter Renfro will not grade out well at what at all because he's going to be playing in an offense with two players who are so much better than him that they're going to be getting a lot more of the targets in that offense. And Hunter Renfro's job as a slot means that deep shots aren't part of his game and he's going to need to get a lot of over-the-middle passes. And to be a successful slot in fantasy, you need volume. Darren Waller's almost 30, or just is 30, almost 31, actually. Coming off injuries, he's a speed guy at tight end. We'll see how he looks this year. All right. And on that, I think you guys both made great arguments. This has been a great debate show. Each person is ranked uh, one, three arguments in three. But I'm going to give it to Evan. He almost blew the 3-1 lead, but, I mean, Hunter Renfro from going to wide receiver 13 to 44 is quite the big gap and uh, I, I just don't think Hunter Renfro is going to be that big of a drop off this year and I think uh, I think everyone won, won today's debate sorry Dalton 
I just have one thing to say. I think I got my swagger back. Oh, oh. In all seriousness, great debate, Dalton. Very worthy opponent. I'm sorry I had to beat you in the end, but it's you know one of us has to lose, and if it has to be one of us, I'm glad it was you. It's okay when the rubber meets the pavement. I'll be more than happy to circle back on this and be right over both of you. I think it's rubber meets the road. Give myself a point for that one, too. <clears throat> Again, when the rubber meets the pavement, I'll be more than happy to circle back on this. Uh, okay. Let me get the Hunter Rimfro's name back up there real quick. Never changed off AJ Brown. That part didn't go well. The rest of this podcast did, though. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Half Point for Podcast. A long one, but a good one. We tried some new stuff. I think it was a lot of fun. Turned out great. Hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Like I said, subscribe to the YouTube, follow the TikTok, just search Half Point for Pod anywhere, and you will find us. I guarantee that. And we will be back. I think we'll have a video coming out on the YouTube pretty soon. And then a mock draft next week is in the cards. And who knows what the show is next week. Don't have that plan in front of me. But We are really gearing up toward fantasy football season. We're so glad you guys are choosing to listen to us, and we will talk to you next time.